Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 196 for September 15th, 2014. On today's show, we're talking about avoiding rounding over with a random orbit sander, splines or biscuits as a glue-up aid, a bit of marquetry on a box, and a woodworking in America wrap-up with a discussion of Lee Valley's new custom planes. All that and more coming up, but let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Uh, Good news, the ArborTech Random Contour Sander is now available in the U.S., This sander will most definitely make all of your sanding jobs a breeze. You can watch the tool in action at arbortechusa.com. And if you're not familiar, I thought I'd explain this. The contour sander is kind of one of those uh, flexible head sanders where people make carvings, complex carvings, and you go, how in the world would you sand all those little nooks and crannies and stuff? And that's what this thing does. Uh, It is a pretty amazing tool if you are into carving and using uh, power carving tools. It's very cool. Uh, So go check that out at arbortechusa.com. And we'd also like to thank a donor today, Gonzalo Plaza Ramirez, who helped us out with the donation. You could do that too at woodtalkshow.com, left-hand column. You'll see some links there for a small one-time donation or a monthly uh, recurring donation you could set up with PayPal, which we always appreciate. So thank you very much to everyone who helps us out that way, as well as our sponsors. And, uh, well, let's get to what's on the bench. I'll go first. I'm just, just just me talking at the beginning of the show. You guys okay with that? <laughs> right, I'm dude. still back on Gonzalo Plaza Ramirez. I know. Yeah, ole! Yeah, he's, uh, he's a good dude. Uh, yeah, let's jump right into it. Uh, so I did a little bit of a retrofit on my workbench. I finally installed the, the crisscross, benchcrafted crisscross system into the workbench, and it was, oh, it was pretty nice. awesome. Cool. And I'll tell you, the most yeah. awesome thing about it was my buddy Scott is the one who installed it for me. Oh, it's <laughs> even better. That's like super awesome. Yeah, right? So he's been that's, helping that's me out. That's what's kept me from doing it. I was it's, like, oh, I should really do that. I don't want to do it. It's just that. pure work. You know, it's not that fun. It's just work. So uh, he's been helping me out in the shop a lot. And I wanted to film this for guild members who've already, you know, like me, had the old system. And maybe by now, a couple years later, are thinking about upgrading. So how do you retrofit it? And uh, we basically filmed the whole process. But frankly, he did all the work. I, I helped out a little bit. I was his assistant for that. Uh, so the good thing was when it was all said and done, had a nice new chop on there. And this thing is awesome. I mean, I kind of poo-pooed it in the beginning just a little bit because I had just made mine. Like my bench was just done and they're like, oh, we have this great new thing. And I'm like, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to show that this is the more efficient and better way to do this whole type of thing. <laughs> yeah. I was, it was a little bit frustrating for people who just finished the bench. Uh, but a couple years later, hearing feedback from people who have it um, and how well the install went and how good it works, not having to worry about adjusting rollers or putting the pin in the right hole uh, just sounded like a really nice appealing thing. So finally got around to getting that done. And uh, next up, I'm going to upgrade to the little pirate ship wheel thingy that they have. Arr, matey, huh? That looks a lot of fun. It that does. was on the uh, plate 11 workbenches. Uh, Mark Hines, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's his. He had one of those there. In fact, that crisscross thing. Sure. Yeah. I, I found myself talking with him and then like unco- subconsciously like reaching down and like, I'm going to turn this ship around. Matey. Arr, I'm going to tighten this up and I'm going to plane it. Uh, and this is moving really easy for me. <laughs> I just feel like that they need to set up like a, a booth at Woodworking in America or something like that with the crisscross on it and just have that song like piping in in the background the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's <jump>. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the first thing I think of with that name. But uh, so when it's all said and done, I'll have the latest and greatest stuff. Uh, the retrofit for the new glide system, which includes a smaller screw with like faster threads. It's about twice as fast 
to, to move the thing. And then that handle, my gosh, that handle is massive. It's, it's huge. It's heavy, uh, but it's the coolest looking thing. I mean, they just make the, it's, and I know it's so expensive. So forgive me for anyone who, who hates the price on it, but it's such nice hardware. It's ridiculous. Do you remember how long the, the, the retrofit took? Uh, it took a couple hour job. Well, it took two days of total time, um, of someone else doing it, but we're also (laughs) filming. We're also filming the whole thing as we go, uh, making changes and doing things here and there. So it was two, I think the, it would take the average person about two days to do it. Cause you got to make a whole new chop for me. (laughs) That's right. Or a week for Shannon. Uh, but you know, we had to make a new chop. Uh, the cool thing was I had some 12 quarter maple left over, believe it or not from the original build. That's oh, just nice. just been sitting around the shop. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to use this to make the chop, but it wasn't wide enough. Uh, so I just took a couple strips of babinga, ran those on the outside edge, and now it looks like a very intentional sort of decorative trim on the outside of the the uh, the chop. Um, but overall, yeah, it took about two days. I think it would. Pro- it's a weekend project, I think, for most people. And you got to tip your bench over, so you might get a helping hand to move that beast. Um, but overall, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alex, get over I, here. I was basically like on flat on my back for like a week after I righted my bench. I'm pretty much. <laughs> oh, just- that's right. <laughs> yeah, it could be rough on the back for sure. So I'm um, very happy with that. Um, still doing the the Krenov inspired display stand, but I'm uh, right now. I haven't installed the the three the three handle wheel just yet i'm gonna use the the vice as is and then do the second stage of the retrofit with the new wheel uh, but i've got a lot of work to get done before that so i'm back to the display stand at this point um gotcha. but that's it for you me know, so Very so cool. going back to the whole thing with benchcraft i just want to see if you guys had seen anything about this now i'm way behind on reading any of my blogs but apparently there was a fire at a warehouse that supplies them yeah, those uh the, the handles with that kind of faux woody kind of thing mm-hmm. dyno wood you, the dyno wood stuff yeah so that is now become like dyno wood that's what it's called now it's called dinosaur wood i guess dinosaur right? wood yeah that's exactly it it's now like the like one of the more precious uh wood <laughs> commodities out there from what i've heard it's more precious <laughs> than the wood he was using to to do them originally yeah, pretty much. So I thought that was it, it was funny because again, I'm way behind on a whole bunch of my blog posts, like all my reading. And it was at Woodworking in America. I was sitting there having dinner one night, and somebody goes, "Oh my gosh, did you see what happened to Benchcraft? They had a, a warehouse fire." And I'm like, "Oh no! Oh jeez! Oh no! What's going to happen to them?" Yeah, yikes! No, I haven't really uh, heard much about that. But okay, well now you have. Oh, we mentioned it on the show a while ago that they were going to go use this Dymo wood stuff um, in, yeah. in place of the Coca below. Right. Um, right. Because and now I think they're going to go back to the Coca-Cola. Maybe. I don't know. It's still CITES listed, so I think they're still in the in the market for whatever they're going to come up with. Yeah, and I believe mm. the ones I have are the newer stuff. And you can tell. I mean, when you look at it, you can see very nice uniform layers. It's clearly a lamination. Um, and in some areas, you know, toward the base of the handle, you can kind of see the stain fades just a little bit. So it's not quite the same, but I think at, you know, from three feet away, nobody's going to be able to tell the difference. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So... All right, cool. Shannon, what about you? I have been doing a lot of filming lately. I've been trying to get some of this, this little things caught up. I'm doing a series of small, um, I don't know what do you call them, supplementary videos for the hand tool school. And I've just gone on this filming binge, and now suddenly my external hard drive is screaming at me <laughs> saying, you need to do something with these clips. Edit me, edit full. me. <laughs> Yeah. So, and a lot of it, I think I mentioned last time I changed over, I've switched over to Adobe and I'm using Premiere for all my editing and I've kind of gotten the handle of it. So 
Now I just need to stop channeling my inner Spielberg because I'm getting a little like, ooh, and I'm going to come in from this angle and do this angle and then <laughs> do this cool effect here. And I was like, okay, you're just making woodworking videos here, buddy. Nobody cares. Well, and then you realize that the audience just wants you to fast forward through the whole thing anyway. So <laughs> right, exactly. what well, are we the doing? The worst part is, is I'll spend like, I found myself spending like 20 minutes on this one little sequence and then you play it in real time and it's it's like, 27 frames mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like wow <laughs> i'm an idiot time to move on so it does give me a lot of respect though for like if you ever watch the extras on dvds and things like that listen to like the director's commentary and they talk about why they frame this shot this way or look at the like the the behind the scenes stuff when you see before the chroma key and everything's been added in and you just see all the work that goes into creating this high-paced action sequence you know yeah. the number of cameras and the number of angles and the number of shots in order to get that really cool effect and then when you actually try to do it not that i'm like beating up robots in my shop or anything like that that i need michael bay to help me <laughs> or anything but you know just in one opening shot i tried to do this like multiple camera um with one camera changing angles and doing you know wide medium and close and made for a really interesting shot but it like added an hour and a half to my production time for like yeah. a five minute clip. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to like dial back the cinematography here and just focus on maybe getting some word working done. Now, I think you're going to need more solar flares if you really want to. <sighs> yes, absolutely. Really make more it look good. <laughs> now, are, are you going to be submitting to the Academy the, for the next <laughs> round or are you going to try and get the foreign press award? I'm, I'm curious which one to expect. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for, uh, there should be a new category on the Oscars, like best, wood working video <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pushing I have for a that. Like, that probably won't be one that we'll be seeing you sitting next to one of the starlets that's probably one of them where they have a screen way off on the other side of town <laughs> probably the actually in the next town that will happen annex it was like yeah. five days it happened five days before the the televised show <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and, and believe okay. me our our goodie bags are not nearly as good they give you like a twix bar <laughs> it's probably popcorn but it's microwave popcorn and it hasn't been popped yet (laughs) nice all right well hey before we go to matt why don't we just move into what's new we're kind of replacing the whole what's new section with matt's summary of woodworking in america so matt if you can do i mean obviously that's been you know what you've been up to this whole time so if you want to jump into it uh give us an overview of what woodworking in america was like this year uh, what you saw, what stood out in your mind. And then later, I think we should talk a little bit about those Lee Valley custom planes. Right. Absolutely. So one thing I, I, I mentioned this earlier, I, I wrote a post, kind of a follow-up post for uh, the folks over at Highland Woodworking, because I just, I've got to throw this out there just as, a, as a, a huge thank you to them. They were the ones that were made it possible for me to attend this year. And of course, that also meant that I was running around with a camera and them yelling over there, do this one, do that one. I'm just kidding. It wasn't quite nearly that bad. We had we had agreed on what we were going to do. But again, huge thanks to them uh, for, for giving me the opportunity to attend. Now, as I had wrote in this follow-up post uh, over at their blog, I, pretty much every time I go to Woodworking in America, you, there's a certain consistency, which is a good thing, in the quality of the instructors that are there. And this year, again, totally hit the mark exactly like I would expect it to. Although... That one guy, um, the one about the uh, the Japanese chisels and saws. I don't know. That one was kind of questionable. <laughs> that guy's sketchy. It was yeah, a little, yeah. wasn't, wasn't he talking about like muffins or something? Breakfast he muffins? He did. Yeah, he, he had a yeah. whole spiel trying to relate metallurgy 
to uh, muffin baking, which was kind of interesting and made me extremely hungry. Thankfully, the Starbucks, which is another thing. There's always a Starbucks right next to everywhere <laughs> they go for a convention center. Seems that way, doesn't it? Um, wasn't, uh, wasn't the whole metallurgy thing the thing that got um, Wilbur in trouble when he came on our show and did something? I do believe it did. <laughs> and some guy <laughs> gave him a bunch of crap about his, his terminology and all this other garbage. But Yeah, well, it was funny because when he started the, the metallurgy portion of it, he did kind of have a little bit of a disclaimer and he also said something about isn't this a great topic to have right after everybody went out and had lunch so hopefully <laughs> you know i think he was hoping people would fall asleep and kind of skip over that whole thing nice uh but yeah now, there was, matt, there was matt, have you have you missed a woodworking in america you've been to every single one haven't you uh i have actually missed i missed the pasadena and i missed the pennsylvania and i think i did miss one of the cincinnati ones oh, okay well you've been to a lot of them i was just gonna yeah. say if anybody knows how the character has changed or stayed the same you would because you were at Berea. You were the only one of us that went to the original, right? Right. Yeah, it puts me in a special category you guys could only hope to achieve. <laughs> oh, we'll never get there. You've kind of <laughs> always been there anyway, Matt. So I know. I know. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I was told this week that I need to stop you know, putting myself down so much and appreciate how awesome I am. So I'm going to start right now. I'm amazing. <laughs> But uh, again, special. just kind of going into like the uh, the instructors themselves. This year, Phil Lowe was there, and he had some really great classes. Unfortunately, uh, every time I try to get to one of his classes, something else was going on at the other end of the convention center. I was down in the uh, in, in the market area, uh, drooling over something else. Hmm. Uh, but he did a really good uh, class on orthographic drawing, which I think that's just a fancy term for making it large. Uh, so that was, that was kind of fun. And then there was another one where he, he did uh, a whole class on, uh, the construction of, uh, Queen Anne chairs, if I remember right now, I did come in on that one and it was literally him up there kind of like creating the joinery that would go into it. So that was, that was really neat. But unfortunately that particular room, and this was true for all the instructors in that room, they had a way oversized room for uh, the particular classes that were in there in the sense that there was wasn't so much that there was an echo it's just that it was like they were talking to like a, a stadium sized seating so i almost felt bad for the instructors because it was really easy for people to come in and out and make a ton of noise in that room so it could get distracting pretty quickly hmm. uh frank klaus did another uh class in there that was all about uh setting up table saw joinery and jigs and such and and true Frank uh, Frank style, he really owned that class. And so I think he was maybe the only one in there. And I hate to put down any of the other ones. It's not really put down. It's just, a, just kind of pointing out a detail. Uh, he's the one that really, I think, handled that classroom rather nicely. Um, of course, Roy Underhill was there. I had a chance to go in on a combination, cl- a combination plane class with him where I got the uh, golden nugget out of there that uh, he doesn't like steel rod fences for a combination plane especially like the modern day ones he prefers the wooden ones and when anybody ever asks how can you stop those steel rod ones from kind of slipping because shannon i'm sure maybe you've run into this i know i have with the veritas uh fenced planes where if you no matter how hard you tighten that that lock screw or whatever you want to call it as soon as you put that on there at some point if you put too much pressure in one direction it, it might slip after a while so you have to keep readjusting it Right. Uh, his way around that was spot welding. Get a few of them. <laughs> nice. Set them at particular uh, dimensions, and you just have a you know just go for whatever you need to with those ones. Hmm. Um, the, another great class I thought was I I didn't expect it to be as interesting as it was, and I hope that doesn't come across the wrong way. Was uh, <laughs> the one on the construction of uh, the French marquetry 
tool, the, the Chevrolet. And that was one of those, first of all, just seeing uh, his work up there was just absolutely astounding. And then watching the use of the Chevrolet, it was just like one of those. I, I literally set my camera down for a while and just sat there in amazement and watching it. And and all that was was him just going, yeah, you, you thread the blade through here and then you do this and just this, this brief discussion. So when it comes down to it, classes, absolutely amazing. I, I recommended all of them. People were asking, which one do you, you like? And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're all good. They're all good. And of course, the vending area, fantastic as usual. It's one of those you kind of go down there and you can play with any all the tools that are down there. You, you have an opportunity to have discussions with the, the tool manufacturers. And they, of course, were more than happy to talk with you about it. Although I think after a while, there were a few of them that are like, don't step near my booth. <laughs> wasn't just me, thankfully. There's several other people I saw that were kind of like, stay back from there. So I will say that it, the, the market area, it looked like there was a lot more browsers than buyers. Huh, okay. So really? I don't know if it was just the, 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 you know, what was going on if they were more interested in something upstairs, if it was just, I, I don't know. It just kind of, that was the impression I got. I'd be really interested to hear from some of the uh, the vendors how it ended up turning out for them. But it just seemed like, I didn't see a lot of stock moving, if you know what I mean. It was like the stuff in the background there just seemed like it was kind of lingering. But maybe they just kept replenishing the shelves. So hmm. I don't know. From my from my outside perspective, it, to me, it looked like one of the other more mainstream woodworking shows. Um, there was a bit of a feel for that. And I did kind of hear a little murmur in the background uh, from a few other people who I'll, I won't name them, but I really value their opinion. <laughs> um, and they kind of said the same exact thing. You know, and, the guys with like the headset mounted microphone who's <laughs> talking about something and right next to him is a guy with a mop who's talking right. about <laughs> the, sh- the sham wow guy is there. <laughs> right. And they so all have, picked up they have the headsets. For the airplane. They're all competing with one another on their little like you know, pocket right. mounted well, amplifiers. Well, it wasn't quite that bad. But yes, there was there was quite of a feel of like maybe this was almost like a traveling show. There, there, there was once that was pointed out to me, it was something like, you know, like the, the rose tinted glasses were kind of removed. And I, I saw it a little bit. But at the same time, though, I really want to emphasize that the, the vendors that were there were all woodworking related. There was no ShamWow. There was no uh, uh, shoe inserts, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, but at the same time, there 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 was just a, a little bit of a feel for it. So I don't again, I don't know if it was just the region, if it was because of the time of year, because that was another thing. You heard quite a, a few people on Twitter, on Facebook, and even some there was one or two individuals that were there that were willing to speak with me that were saying that, you know, this time of year, this, you know, what this is like early September, mid September at the latest, it's just kind of like one of those it could have been planned later in the year. So I'm assuming it just must have been an opportunity to get the convention center at this time. And so they really needed to nail it down or something. But, mm. you know, a lot of folks were saying that it would be so much better if it was just another month off, like in October or something. Yeah. So I'm curious, were there any standout products? Other, We're going to talk about the Lee Valley stuff, but that seemed to overshadow a lot right. of any potential news that might have been there. Was it all kind of the same stuff or did anything stand out? Yeah, no, it was pretty much the, the, the same people that you, you would normally see there. Um, of course, was, Ron Hawk was there. He's always got some great stuff. This time, his knives actually made it. I don't know if you guys remember last year. Uh, unfortunately, he was introducing those new cooking knives, and uh, they got stolen on the way there. But they were there. Uh, him and his lovely wife were there. They were answering a ton of questions. Uh, Bad X Tool wasn't able to make it in this year, and there was a lot of people that were asking where they were. Uh, so maybe they might have missed out. Of course, um, I'm, I'm really trying to think if there was any one particular 
uh, thing that was going on that or one particular vendor, but nothing. And it's no offense to any of them. There was none of them that were standing out more than the others. Well, a lot of times uh, there's not a whole lot of new stuff. You know, it's right, all the right. same same companies we see every year, which is right, great. Exactly. It's still fun, it's still fun to see those companies, but it may not be anything uh, new or different. Right. I think for, for myself, I was hanging out with the, uh, the folks over at the Texas Heritage Woodworks. Um, and then that's where we were kind of looking at the aprons. And I go, so I hear you guys like to make special things for Shannon out of leather. <laughs> with, with holes in them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I've got a picture and I've got to post this. Uh, I was over at the Shenandoah Toolworks hanging out there and they had this little table tent kind of thingy up that had this guy named Shannon Rogers going on and on and gushing about their tools. (laughs) And every time somebody would walk by that could possibly remotely know Shannon. And it was so funny because I don't know, they had a certain keen sixth sense about who might know Shannon, who might be a hand tool school user, all this stuff. And suddenly it would go from the back of the booth to the front. <laughs> huh. Nice. All right. So I got to send an invoice to Norman and Jeff, I guess. There you go. No, one thing I, I do have, and I, I, I documented this, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to show up at Highland Woodworking's blog or on my own. I'm hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to put it on post on both. I'll probably cross post it to mine. Did you guys see anything about this Fred West commemorative uh, tool chest that they put together? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, one of the, I'm donated uh, hand tool school membership as part of it. Okay, uh, but it's funny they didn't mention you. <laughs> no, I'm but sure they I, did. I was just down near the bottom under all the shiny, fancy tools. That that were, was probably actually a very small print. Yeah. We did, we did a video and we were we were kind of going over the whole thing and um I, I feel horrible I can't remember the gentleman's name uh but he gave me gave me the whole entire thing of who Fred was what he did for the boutique tool manufacturers you know he was he was literally a benefactor for all these guys you know purchasing very specific tools that probably you know nobody else would get in the hopes of kind of like you know hey here's some seed money keep doing what you're doing you know and and so we kind of have Fred West to thank for a lot of these manufacturers out there, like a, like a Scott Meek, like a Bad Axe Tools, you know, all these guys that uh, it, it, they really truly feel that if it wasn't for Fred, they might have been struggling much longer, maybe even have completely failed if it hadn't been somebody like him coming in and saying, look, I know that it's, you know, you're getting started right now, but you're doing amazing things and you'll do even more amazing things. So here, build me this and quote me some outrageous price and I'll pay it. So that was really neat. But we're going to have the whole video on that, including showing off the tools. And I didn't see who won it. All I know, it wasn't me. And there was some really awesome tools in there. Nice. Was there no hand tool Olympics this year? There I was wasn't. just thinking the same thing. No, really? I was shocked too. Yeah. And it was one of those. I even, like the day before, was thinking, I got to start stretching. I got to get myself all worked up <laughs> <Calisthenics>. for this. <laughs> yeah. I got I to get my, my fingers all ready for holding on to certain things and getting this going and, and making sure that no knitters got nearby there so that they could possibly win. So yeah, that was a little bit of a disappointment. There wasn't anything exciting like that, like a participation thing. Um, there was the North Carolina Woodworkers Club was there. And uh, I, again, I did a thing with them. Also, we had an opportunity to talk about some of the great things they're doing. And they're a, another one of those woodworking clubs that they get together and they uh, do projects where they're helping out like uh, wounded warriors. They're helping out uh, it, kids in needs. There's just all sorts of if you come to them with a charity, there's a good chance they're going to put something together, call out the masses and just go out and have fun. And what they were doing to try and get the kids interested and kids at heart like myself was they were having a turning demonstration where you could go up and make a lightsaber. Oh, so, nice. Nice. 
That was that was really fun. I did see a few of those around. I got whacked by one or two of them. And, and if I ever catch that kid, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to knock him out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make my probably own. Tom Iovino. Uh, no, finger. Tom was uh, banned from that area. I was going to say, speaking of Tom, would, did you have the classic, like, you hear him 20 minutes before you actually see him? That was, you know, it's funny you say it that because people go, have you seen Tom? I'm like, just listen. Hold on. It's in, it's in the air. It's like a strange bird, like a really loud <laughs> bird in a quiet area. And you go up. Oh, there's Tom. Yeah. 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 It's like an ostrich in a uh, parrot cage. Uh, it's- <laughs> uh, I missed I missed my my yearly dose of Tom. So maybe next right, year. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was definitely it was, it was really again. It, it's one of those things that um, I think the, the the quality of the instructors they were they were totally there, and it's not to blow smoke up anybody's skirt about that, especially a suede skirt, um, you know, <laughs> Megan. Uh, but anyways, though, it was it was a fantastic show in the sense of the of the instructors, the the vending area. There was definitely plenty of things to go down there and drool over and all that stuff. So if anybody were to ask, you know, would you do it again? Uh, yeah, but I would definitely want it pushed more towards like a lot of the other people towards like October, November for it. It just seems to work yeah. out better. Now, Shannon, you brought this up before we recorded. You said, and I totally agree from the home perspective, just watching in general, and maybe it's just the product of the people we follow. Most of what I saw posted really, and I, I totally agree with you, Shannon. Most of it was focused on the social stuff. Um, right, I saw, yeah. I saw hardly anything other than Wilbur and his session. I didn't see a whole lot about the educational stuff going on, just who met who and, and who's hanging out with who. Um, I was hoping to see a little bit more about the classes. Right. I mean, there's no question. That's probably 75% of why I go to WIA is, is the, the social, social part. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but there were, and again, it's probably because I couldn't go this year, but there were some classes there that I really wanted to go to, like mm-hmm. Patrick Edwards in the the marketry. Of course, Pete Galbert from last year was just phenomenal. And it sounded like he, I was glad to see, I did see an update on his and it looked like one of the classes he gave was a carbon copy of what he gave last year, which made me happy because I was like, oh good, I didn't miss anything. But then apparently there was a couple on rocking chairs that were mind blowing. Um, So not that, you know, rocking chairs and mind blowing go together in the same sentence. You know, actually, now that you mentioned it, that was one of the classes that I kept hearing. You know how there's always that breakout class that people, you know, like, I'm not interested in that. That's not going to happen. That was one of them that people kept going on and on about. And I remember thinking I should not have been standing in line at Starbucks when that happened because that was really awesome. (laughs) Well, and I was really interested to see or to hear or watch whatever Wilbur stuff, uh, too, just because it is an area of woodworking that I know so little about. And, you know, it's one of those things, Japanese woodworking, where how do you learn more about it? Well, you go and spend a whole bunch of money on a bunch of tools that you basically already have. (laughs) You know, I could go buy a bunch of Japanese chisels, even though I already have a whole bunch of chisels and buy a bunch of Japanese saws. Just a little bit different. (laughs) Yeah. So it's in order for me to get into it, I have to retool my entire toolkit and maybe I won't want to stay there, you know? So it's, it's kind of a hard bargain to take. So, but right. yeah, I heard next to nothing about the actual classes themselves. That was kind of right. disappointing. Sup with that. Yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was elsewhere doing other things, but I mean, a lot of the guys that we normally hang with were there. And so we need to ask them, you know, you guys need to step up. You are an extension of the step rest up. of us. We're, I mean, well, we're sitting it here. is early. You know, it's it's Monday after. Everybody's still hung over. So um, that is true because I have. A, well, did you notice that uh, Megan Fitzpatrick, she, she just I think it was this morning, I, I believe, put up a blog post and she even had in there. She goes, I had no time to put stuff up. So she's now just starting to, you know, put a whole bunch of things in there. Hopefully it's not just the one single blog with a ton of pictures. Hopefully 
hopefully more stuff's going to be coming out. But it could be that, that, you know, people are just so busy with the, the whole socializing that they're now, now that they're stepping away and don't have the troublemaker in their ear, you know, stopping them from doing something, Tom. Yeah. And uh, they're finally able to start putting up photos. I do have a whole bunch because I really wanted to get that photo up of, uh, uh, you know, the, the the little thing from Shannon going on and on about Shenandoah tools. I thought that would just be a really. I just love them. They are awesome. They are the They're bestest amazing. in the whole world. <laughs> so now, uh, did you did you get to any of the stuff on Sunday afternoon? Were you already traveling? Like, no, the trip unfortunately, to, to the museum yeah. and everything. No, I, I missed that. But I, it was funny because when I was once I knew that I was going, I quickly went in. I got my classes, and I assumed that there was going to be classes on day three because there always has been classes on day three. So when I uh, had my flight booked, it was booked at a time that I knew I could at least get one morning class in, get in the, the rental car, get to the airport and get out. And then that's when I looked and went, oh, 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 no, they're doing events that day. And mm-hmm. so, no, I did not have a chance to do it. But I did see uh, one or two people, I think I thought posted something about how like awesome it was. Maybe it was just Megan and I'm just finally getting caught up on it. I've, I've wanted to get down to that museum for years. And then when... um. Bob Lang and Glenn Huey put out that book, Mid-Atlantic Furniture, or Southern, Mid- I don't remember what it's called, a couple of years ago. It's a blue book. Um, typical <laughs> Bob Lang measure drawing type book. Really, really good. And I keep hearing from guys like Chuck Bender that it's a really, really good museum to go to. And I was kind of bummed that I couldn't go. So I suppose I should just suck it up and drive the six or seven hours down there and, and do it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's time to start, you know, just taking care of things, Shannon, rather than waiting for yeah. others to do it for you. Just get it done. Slacker. All right, so Wait. let's, if, if you guys are ready, uh, did you have something else to say, Shannon? I was just going to say, or like, I'm just kind of going through the class list. I'm just kind of looking at this right now. I just want to kind of kind of point out, number one, the whole thing with Wilbur, just absolutely amazing for the Japanese saws. Did you know that you can, uh, uh, if you have the right Japanese saw, you can you can sharpen them yourself? He showed how to do that in the class. It was really kind of interesting. Nice. I thought you were just supposed to throw it out and put a new blade in. Uh, like cleaners. Yeah, well, that, that's... He he did put up a, a sign for certain stores where you can pick pick up those type of saw blades and do that for <laughs> sure. Um, I, I I did a whole thing with uh, Don Williams. Uh, we were kind of talking about the H.O. Studley tool uh, exhibit that's coming up in May. Uh, again, that's one of those things that I'm hoping to uh, get put up on my my website, but it'll probably go up on the Highland Woodworking blog. It's great stuff. But he did a class on it was all about uh, period finishing. And it was like four hours long, I want to say, something like that. Jeez. And wow. he had, he said, we, we were talking about like, you know, you have a lot of people in and out. And he said, surprisingly, no. They sat there through almost the whole entire thing. I went in for a few minutes just to see what was going on with it. And it was a filled room. So wow. it was pretty, it was uh, 2 to 6 p.m. on Friday. Was there any snoring or, I mean. <laughs> oh, so there was a lot of questions that were going up. That's that was a lot what of, really surprised me. That's a lot of numb butts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I've I've been fortunate to Don Williams has come to I mean he's a member of the local Sapfum chapter here so he ends up kind of speaking at just about every chapter not not by his uh not voluntarily just put it that way somebody usually asks a question and he's kind of the most informed guy in the room and he's a really good speaker um definitely knows his stuff so I could see him captivating an audience cool. 4 hours though jeez yeah, and then uh, was there was another one. I just had it on here. Oh my gosh! Hold, bear with me for just a moment. I know we need to move on to this. Oh, uh, Will Neptune, uh, curved oh. work in furniture making. Again, another one that I wanted to go to, but unfortunately, I kind of got thrown in a different direction trying to get some other information from some of the other 
uh, classes. And what I heard the next day was that was, again, one of the classes that you needed to be in there because it was so good. I guess he went to a whole thing about Bombay chess and how they came around with doing these designs and everything else. And I'm just like, I just wanted to go in there and check that out. And I guess that was one of those missed opportunities. So hopefully we'll, we'll be back around again for another woodworking in America. Cause I have a feeling I'll probably go to more of these. Maybe your, tr- <laughs> your track internet. record is any indication you might. <laughs> did, so, did Christopher Schwartz teach a class? No, he wasn't there at all this year. Ah, that's a first. What a yeah. jerk, that guy. Yeah, I know. There, there were some familiar names that weren't there, and I'm like, slacker. In fact, they didn't even have a Lost Art Press booth. So hmm, that was that was another one of those like head scratchers. Like, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. That's what, I wonder if this September thing really is, because I know Benchcrafted wasn't there, and Bad Axe wasn't there, and those guys have always been like kind of corner booth. You know, next to Lee Nielsen and Lee Valley, they had like the biggest booths. Right on the, on the floor. And, yeah, uh, interesting. It's interesting. I, yeah, it yeah. Must I really just be the date. I, I think it is. I, I mean, that was so much of what I was hearing from not only the people that weren't there, but even the individuals that were there that were like, you have no idea how I had to clear my schedule to get in here to do this. Uh, they were happy they did. But at the same time, they were there was a lot of kind of like, I really wish, you know, next year. And I'm pretty sure they were letting people know next year, you need to move it to another time. Well, what do you think any of this has to do with... Um Handworks, it's very That's possible. I when you're talking about small companies, I mean, these people don't have like a ton of money to go to all these different shows, and uh, maybe something about Handworks is, you know, I know a couple of them, like Benchcrafted, will be at Handworks. Um, I have to wonder if multiple shows a year is just a little bit too much for. for oh, some it, people. it has to be. I mean, there, there's probably a fine line on breaking even and then just paying like a tourist to be there. Yeah, right. Well, and I had heard from a couple of the exhibitors at Handworks that. You know, it was by far and away, like orders of magnitude, they sold more stuff there mm-hmm. than they have in any other show. And Matt already said it. It looked like there was more browsers than buyers at yeah. this one. So well, maybe well, that's it. It'll be know. interesting to watch the evolution of the, of these various shows because it's like woodworking in America kind of was that hardcore hand tool focused show. Seems to be getting a little bit more I don't want to say generic in a negative way, but a little bit more general audience and something like handworks is once again, narrow focused on right. that hand tool user. And that right. may be why that that's happening. Well, well that's, that's, why, that's why I want to hear more about the classes because there were some new faces there this year that really kind of upped the bar, I think on the education side. Right. And, you know, kind of put the marketplace not so front and center and with the hand tool Olympics, not being there. That's, that's a huge thing. Yeah you know, that everybody talks about, whether you participate or not, it's kind of a big deal right. down there. So I'm wondering. Well, bragging rights. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and free mm. stuff. All right. Well, yeah. we are probably boring the crap out of anybody who doesn't care about these shows. So let's move on to the uh, discussion about the custom <laughs> bench plane. So big announcement that comes out from the show. Uh, they kind of made a big fuss about it ahead of time, announcing it on Saturday. Uh, Lee Valley says we've got this, um, this new tool to introduce, uh, this new thing to introduce on Saturday. Stay tuned. And it was this whole big deal. The stuff was chained to a table, right? And then they had to, to unlock it and let it out. And what it yeah. turned out to be um, was basically a program where you can get custom bench planes. So you could add in different aspects to make this thing, quote unquote, your own within the confines of the choices they give you. Right. Um, so this is an, a new program that they have. And I'll, you know, I guess we should get 
everybody's impressions on this. And Matt, you probably have the most firsthand experience to speak from. Hey, I've got it on video as they were doing it. It was really kind of interesting. I'm like, Sweet. seriously, it was actually in one of those cases. <laughs> it really was in there. Yeah, I would have gone over to Peachtree and got some chain a, cutters. I was convinced it was going to be a Lee Valley sustainer. And that was what we were looking at. <laughs> right? <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate misdirection. That Everyone thinks there's something in there. No, it's actually, that's the new product. It's a You sustainer. know what they really, they really should have done was they should have had a little box off to the side with like paper and then you write what your guess is of what it was going to be and put it in the box and see who would have won it because yeah. that would have been really interesting because they were all over the place from your idea of the sustainer to like a, a table saw in a box. I mean, there was just all sorts of <laughs> really, really out there ideas. But yeah. I, to be honest with you, there was a couple of engineers from Veritas that were probably like, what did you say you think it is? How would you <laughs> do that if you, if, if you did that? <laughs> all right. So then they, they rip the, the blanket off of this thing and they say, all right, we've got these custom bench planes. And I read it. I was reading my Facebook feed and I saw it on Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon. And I was like, all right. <laughs> now, now that reaction is just a matter of I don't think I'm the right candidate for something like this, um, which I think raises a good question is like, who's the market for this? And out of curiosity, let's we'll do Matt last since he actually has the firsthand experience. I'm always last, but that's fine. <laughs> You're good last. Um, what what do you think about it? Shannon, custom planes. Is that something that, that people are going to use? Is that something that is very uh, niche that only certain people, I mean, I could tell you honestly, for me, I don't know enough about my planes because I don't use them as frequently as like dedicated hand tool users to say, oh, you know what, if the handle was just five degrees this way, or if my had a little, you know, maybe if the tote was this shape or I don't have those thoughts in my head. It's like, here's my hand plane, learn how to use it. So right. as someone who does use these tools all the time, do you see uh, for the dedicated user, perhaps a need for something like this. Well, I am so back and forth on this. My initial reaction was just meh. You know, when he pulled planes out of that, I was just like, seriously, like, yeah. don't you already make those? <laughs> um, I had the same reaction to be honest with you. I'm like, oh, there must be something else in there. Why does he keep pulling this right. things out? Where, where's the laser level? You know, or <laughs> yeah. the iPod dock or whatever. <laughs> they are they are sexy, traditional oh, they're, Veritas. They're beautiful cool lines. You know, really beautiful. The stainless steel cap iron and Norse adjuster. Not only does it not rust, it's it's dead sexy. So you know, I look at that and I go, oh, that's really cool, but. You know, as as a user of hand planes every day, and more importantly, as somebody who teaches the use of hand planes, there's a real uh, rabbit hole here. There's a real trap. There's enough people getting uh, paralysis analysis. Now when you have to decide, the frog thing is what gets me. Mm -hmm. um, I do recognize the reason for a higher angle frog, but the fact that they offer custom angle frogs in half degree increments... <laughs> seriously like who needs a 47.5 degree frog you know and that to me just adds and now i'm putting on taking off the woodworker and putting on the marketing hat oh my god you add all these these options and no one's ever going to buy because they're going to be stuck in the analysis phase what am i going to do here what do i get now what knob do i get what you know that to me scares me and i can see i, I saw somebody comment on this somewhere <clears throat> in the social webs I can see the number of forum threads about which frog and which tote and which knob, you know, just springing up all over the place as people try to decide what they're going to do. Then I went to Lee Valley and they have a series of videos. If you go to their homepage, you know, it's front and center, click on the learn more and you get dumped into a, a YouTube playlist, mm -hmm. which Lee Valley, if you're listening, set it on autoplay. So I don't have to click, let them run. 
I don't have to click between each one. If they're on autoplay, it'd be better. Anyway, um, you, they really have done a good job of laying out kind of why you would choose this, how you choose whether it's small, medium, or large for the tote, the uses of the different knobs, you know, why one is good over the other. The frog thing is still a little weird for me. You know, I think they're just adding too many options there. And as a user every day, I just, I don't need different frogs, you know, and I've got several different planes and I just, I don't need any more planes. So Mark, kind of what you're saying about is, is, am I the right market? You know, I don't, I need another plane. Like I need a hole in the head. (laughs) So it's gotta be really pretty special to make me pull out my wallet and go for it. Yeah. That being said, the machine that is Veritas Marketing has done a really good job because I came very close to pulling out my wallet. <laughs> you walk through the setup, and I could definitely see having a bigger tote. I've got big hands, and you know I measured my hand as they talk about in Lee Valley, and you consult the chart, and I would be a large on those. And I could definitely see that would be cool. The different angle, anybody who's used traditional Stanley or Lee Nielsen as compared to the more upright angle of a Veritas, there is a definite mm-hmm. thrust pattern difference there. Mm-hmm. And I think people that have a hard time, if they taper boards unintentionally, or they have a hard time getting the balance right as you move, especially a long plane like a joiner, that um, canted forward handle, the more traditional handle, I think drives the force down a lot more and will prevent a lot of those issues that the upright traditional Veritas handle does not cover. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is some of that, but this is something that the more experienced hand plane user is going to know from already having hand planes. And I dug around and you can't buy these parts separately. You can't go and buy an extra knob or an extra tote so far. Oh, okay. So you can can only buy it as you're piecing one together. Exactly. You can only buy a whole new plane. You can only spend 300 more dollars. Well, what what if you want multiple frogs? Well, and that's what, and again, I didn't scour the entire site and a site that big, the search function kind of falls apart too, because you get all this, you punch in like frog, adjustable frog, and you get 900 results. So maybe it's there and I'm just not seeing it, but I have seen nothing to say, and there certainly is nothing built into the, the choose, like the build process on the website that says you can do this. Um, although one of their videos talks about how e- how easy it is to swap out the frog, which, by the way, that video is pretty cool. Just the how they've done it, like the little Norris adjuster snaps into place and snaps out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Just it, from a from a machining perspective sure. and an interchangeable part perspective. Talk about innovative. That's just cool. But, eh, you know, if I were starting out, I, I think I'd be even more intimidated by this mm-hmm. because of all these different options. But they're cool looking. Well, they've done, they've done a tremendous job of walking you through the order process. This just reminds me of something from a different industry. Like we don't Mm -hmm. have anything like this in our industry. And I think that's what makes it really cool because it's nice big pictures. It's very clear what you're buying. It's a, I don't know. It reminds me of like piecing together a custom PC or something like that, where you just swap in these components. as Vic, the uh, the the gentleman in the uh, the videos pointed out, you know, this is pretty much like uh, build a bear for woodworkers. I, that's <laughs> right, yeah. what it was. That was the rumor going around, and I'm like, build a bear for woodworkers. Hmm. So nice. you're saying I can put something inside the body and find it later on? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm all about the aesthetics too. Um, like Badax Toolworks, Mark has done a really good job of of adding what he calls saw bling. You know, customize your saw and add the copper back or the stainless steel back. And, and you know, you can even send him wood and have him make his own 
custom handle. I think that's a next logical step for Veritas. Add a little bit of bling to the mix instead of it. I do like the torified maple handles. Um, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you wanted to maybe throw in a couple more species, because let's face it, they're CNCing everything. You know, I mean, how difficult would it be to just get some more stock? Yeah. To add that kind of custom element, truly custom element, where aesthetically it, it is your own too. But, you know, I... I think it's very cool. Don't get me wrong. I can't see myself doing it just because I don't need another joiner. <laughs> I don't need another smoothing plane. I don't need another jack plane. Um, that being said, I came very close <laughs> today <laughs> just because I know I'm going to get a bunch of questions about it. And it's like, well, I should just go ahead and buy one. And it's like $319. Yeah, it's worth it. But <laughs> do I really need to spend $320 on something I don't need? So ultimately, though, we're looking at more expensive, right? People are like, okay, well, yeah. this is great, but it's going to cost me more money. So just as an experiment, I just ran through and did a, a pretty standard uh, PMV11 uh, number four smoother and compared that to their standard number four smoother with PMV11. Uh, and it looks like you're getting 219 for their standard plane and then 279 for the custom version. Right. So definitely you are bad. you are getting a little bit of extra butt because you can kind of put anything you want in there and customize it for your, your own use. Uh, that's kind of, I think, worth 60 bucks. Did, did right. you do a custom frog angle? Because that's $10 extra. I did not. No, I just did a standard <laughs> 45. All right, so, so Matt, you had some uh, initial hands-on. You got to see these in person. Obviously, it's a little bit different of a body style, so it is a different plane. There's more, certainly more visual like candy in this thing. Right. Uh, what are your yeah. impressions on this? Well, you know, it's funny because I... I was playing around with the number four and a half because you know how much I love to mess up a four and a half uh, smoother plane there. <laughs> banana. And I asked them if there was a banana sole option on that one, and they asked me to step away from the uh, <laughs> the bench, literally. Uh, but I, it was funny because uh, Chuck, Chuck Bender was ahead of me. In fact, I grabbed it right out of his hand so that I could play with it also. I think, quite honestly, it worked really, really nicely. I don't know if I can say there was that much of a difference from any other hand plane that I use. So it's not like something like, oh, this baby, you know, takes corners like it's on rails. I, I, I won't say anything like that, but it was had a very, very nice feel uh, with, with the handles. I can't remember. I think this the one we were playing with that Chuck and I were playing with had more of the traditional style of handle on it. So maybe that's why I was getting better results from it. Um, Overall, uh, they, it was kind of fun. They had a nice little spinny wheel thing that had all of the, the handle shapes, the different sizes, and even the totes. So you could – the way they had it set up was about the, the length of a number four. So you could grab the first tote, and then you could grab the first knob, and you could get a feel like, okay, this mushroom-style one, I like the feel of this, but I don't like this more upright uh, handle. So yeah. if you're in a store, obviously you're going to get to play with this. If you're doing it online – Good luck with that. Seems like that would make a huge difference, especially yeah. for someone like me. Maybe I'm in the market for a new plane. Okay, right. this is great. Uh, I see the sizing chart says I, I should take a large handle. Uh, what is that tote going to feel like versus this other one? If you have them in front of you, you could probably go, oh, wow, this is way more comfortable for me. But right. not not being like I only have used whatever the, the plane makers of the world provide for me. I don't know what those other things feel like, but I, I'd have to just guess and hope based on what I'm seeing online. So seeing it in person is, is huge. Right. And yeah. that was well, one thing I was thinking. They have retail stores all over Canada. So, Oh, well, let me just go over to one. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, think- in that case, let's <laughs> head over to Windsor <laughs> right now. <laughs> Their marketing department's thinking, well, let's put these cool little, 
you know, carousel thingies in the store, and that will help people make that decision. Sure. Now, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to have those carousel thingies in the store because they had them at, at the booth, and it would only make sense to have them there. So maybe I misspoke there, but I, it only makes sense that they would. Unfortunately, that does nothing for the people online. So you're going to have to rely on either the fact that you have a good old-fashioned Stanley uh, hand playing around with that more forward-looking uh, swoop. I really feel bad now if I accidentally made, the, made it sound like you know the stores are going to have those. I'm assuming they're going to. Um, be smart if they did. Yeah, I sort of did? Okay, in that case, can no, no, you no, edit no, that I, out? I said it would be smart if they did. Oh, I yeah. thought you said I, I sort of no, did. No, that's a, that's a good idea. Maybe maybe we'll start to see the Veritas equivalent of the Lee Nielsen hand tool events. Oh, yeah, yeah that'd oh, be great. That would be awesome. No, that wouldn't be great. That's going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every, well, what's funny is true. if they come in right after the other one. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Didn't get enough? We're back. <laughs> nice. So, But anyways, going back into the whole thing with, with the hand plane, the, the big thing I, I heard, there was a, that – like you were asking Shannon or both of you were trying to mentioning like, you know, you can't get the interchangeable parts. Like you can't just simply buy the body and then get a replacement frog so that you have multiple frogs for one body. I don't remember if they said that they were going to go that route eventually. I feel and, like they have to. I do yeah. too. I, I think it's a, too much of a, it, it's too limiting. I mean, who wants to just simply buy the one and you're like, oh, you know, they're interchangeable, but you can't have it. Unless you, know, you, buy, you a whole, buy a whole, right, a whole other plane that doesn't make any sense at all. It seems like it would almost defeat uh, the overall purpose of what they're doing here. So I, I imagine it's going to be something they're going to add to the site later. Right. Well, you know, so, what's interesting too is, is I have, I have quite a few Veritas planes, but I have, I have had these Veritas planes for more than probably five years. And it's interesting looking at these planes now, how they've kind of updated the features and changed things around. It's like when you buy a new car um, and it's been like 10 years since you bought a car and suddenly, ooh, power windows are standard. You know, I had to pay for those before. The, the little upgrades, like how the, the mouth adjusts now, right. um, it's actually tied to the handles. So you loosen the handle and you slide the handle back and forth to open or close the mouth. My Veritas planes don't do that. Um, and they, they get a little... you loosen it by twisting the handle but it has nothing to do you have to actually like grip your fingernails underneath the sole and move the sole backwards and forwards i have like version one i guess of it so i could see myself upgrading just for some of those little creature comforts um but that's a i'm glad you use the analogy of, of, of the car because that was the one thing that i kept when I, I heard a lot of kind of grumbling after the whole thing went down and people were kind of coming up later on and, and taking a look at it. And that was like one of those things like, well, you don't, you don't need something that expensive. Nobody needs anything that expensive. Why do you need these options? And the, the one thing I was thinking of is the analogy of, of a car. You know, it's one of those things. Mercedes-Benz, they make some awesome cars and they've got some awesome features. Uh, but I have no problem driving around in my, my little Sonata. It's not really little. It's pretty big for a guy my size. But anyways, though, I, don't, I have no problems doing that. And sure, I would love to have leather seats and all the other things. But sure, I get by with what I have. Uh, but if somebody were to offer me or I had an opportunity to get that much better car, you better believe I'm going to go for it if I really see the value in it. And well, I, I see the value in these things. Well, and look at it. We're not, we're, not, we're not talking about something that we're doing for our survival or doing for business. I mean, a lot of right. – yeah, you could do it for business. But ultimately, uh, most of us are woodworking for the pure pleasure of it right. as a hobby. And even if it is a business, like in my case, um, it's more about some other product and the woodworking happens to be what's going on <laughs> with that yeah. product. So, you know, it is one of those things where people buy nicer golf clubs. They buy uh, better clothes than they really need because these are where we put our, our our value in things. I see nothing wrong with having these higher scale components. And by the way, uh, beep, 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 update. 
I yep. just looked at the website. They do have the frogs and every component. You just have to look in the regular store for these ah, things. Ah, okay. So, good. I'm glad you say that. Yep. Good. The That's frogs, really the good. handles, they're all available. Excellent. Well, in cool. that case, that makes it even better. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, one another thing I, I, I saw both online and I did kind of hear this whole thing in there, especially when it comes to the one issue that people seem to be taking a lot going out there and kind of running with it was the selection of the, the totes and the knobs, mm-hmm. you know, and then of course there's always the, the people, I don't want to use the word curmudgeon, but it's the one that pops in my head right away. I just that, use you know, the word Shannon. You know, <laughs> okay. I will start using that. Yeah. So Shannon, uh, the Shannons <laughs> in the world, the, the whole thing about, you know, well, we're woodworkers and you should be able to manipulate your, your tote, your knob to, to the way you want to have the feel and all this other stuff. Well, you know what? I'm a weekend woodworker. All right, well, you I'm have to remove me from this comparison because I would never say that. Okay. <laughs> as, as a weekend woodworker, as a hobbyist, you know, there's other things I would rather be doing than reshaping my tote to my particular hand. Uh, if somebody is willing to do that for me, <laughs> it's a premium I'm willing to pay. Well, uh, and so you didn't, I have no problem with that. You didn't spend the money on a Veritas or Lee Nielsen plane to go and reshape a handle. Exactly. Right. Thank you. You know, honestly, if you have a, you know, if you've got a flea market find and you want to do some reshaping or make your own, fine. That's that's kind of why I do. It. At least for me personally, if I'm going to drop that kind of money, I want it to be what I want it to like, the, what I need it to be, yeah. right off the bat. That's why I'm paying that much uh, money for it. Yeah, and at the same time, if that's what you want to do, absolutely go for it. In fact, you know what? I've got a few totes over here that if give me your address, uh, and I'll probably drop you a couple bucks. Maybe if you you know reshape it for me, you want, want to imprint in my hand? Would that help? Well, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, so overall here, um, at least in my opinion, in the world yeah. of woodworking, there's just not a whole lot that we can do for innovation. You know, especially in hand tools. Uh, but Veritas has always been the kind of company who looks at classic designs, classic forms, and puts a new spin on it. Whereas Lee Nielsen kind of takes the classic designs and just makes new versions of it without much change. Um, But they're really, really high quality versions. And I love what these two companies do with these hand planes for this higher level market. We're not even talking boutique level. We're just talking the the higher end general market. Um, But I love watching what Veritas does because they always have something up their sleeve, something interesting. So whether or not you, you are the intended customer for this, it's it's a company that's innovating. They're trying new things. They're seeing what works, throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks. I applaud it. I think it's great. And yeah, I, I felt oh, yeah. the same exact way. If we don't innovate, even if it's something that eventually people go, why did we ever do that? Yeah, did we have idea. a necessity to do that? Right. You know what? It's still the fact that we needed to get to that point where we asked that question. And, you know, some of the, some of the, even if one little thing comes out of that innovation, you know, it doesn't have to be the whole body. It could be where that one single screw went. If that improves the whole next generation, kudos for them for figuring out where to put that screw. Yeah. And the fact that all these tools and the boutique manufacturers, we probably talked about this last year, the boutique manufacturers, just the fact that they exist is a really good sign for the economy of the industry that we all play in. Um, If these things weren't there because the industry is in trouble, no one's innovating, no one's trying anything new or taking any risks, that's a bad sign. But we all want to keep this craft alive, and part of that is a thriving economy built around the craft. So for me, this is cool. I think it's good. I hope it works out. I'm not buying one, but I think it's really (laughs) cool. I don't know. Did you guys notice this since, Mark, since you pointed out where the the accessories are if you Mm -hmm. wanted to get the extra frog? Did you also notice that there's these extra little set of uh, holes on the body. I didn't even notice this at, at the at Woodworking in America. But you can take any of the bench planes. Well, it looks like just about any of the bench planes. They're using a smoother here. And you can set up a fence so that yep. you can actually do like uh, edge work with this. Yep. In this particular situation, they hold it, have the plane on an angle. 
and they're doing it for uh, creating like beveled doors or something in the picture. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know you want one, Shannon. Get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> All right. Get out of my workshop. All right. Well, anything else you want to add, Matt? Uh, I think we could wrap up the WIA talk. Yeah. No, I again, it's a, a really neat opportunity uh, to just hang out with uh with your your old friends and you'll make a whole bunch of new ones again every single year i end up walking away from one of these things with more friends than i know what to do with although when christmas card season rolls around it's funny how nobody ever sends me cards more friends than you actually wanted i didn't want to say that but you're right <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well let's move into a uh, poll of the week we still got a little bit of show to do here uh, of course, our polls are uh, written by Tom Iovino at tomsworkbench.com. Also, the loudest guy at Woodworking in America. Absolutely. Shirtless Tom. Shirtless Tom. <laughs> Shirtless Tom. Oh, my Lord. Is that post still up? <laughs> oh, man. Nice. I think you can take it down. I think Once I need to go find it. I got to go find that. Um, <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. Okay. You really don't. <laughs> so last uh, last week, we asked the question about shop aprons. Do you wear a shop apron? And uh, had about 1,200 replies. 36% said, I'll wear one if things get messy. 29% I never thought about wearing one. 22% said essential safety and comfort gear. 9% said that they're just too uncomfortable. And 4% say absolutely not. They are for vain woodworkers. <gasps> Shannon. That's so that's kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> what what there, is that? Isn't there apron. one more? Like that's all I wear is the shop apron. That's what Tom Iavina filled in. Um <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't see you there. Um uh, but really an apron, vanity, what like I guess maybe if we start putting them in different like accessory colors and you match them to your pants or like yeah, bedazzle them or something like what what's vain about wearing an apron? How weird. Days of the week embroidered on the inside. That is a really interesting comment. Yeah, but 4 4% personally think that uh that that it is for vanity. Uh, is there right. an Ed Hardy shop apron? Is that what's maybe <laughs> There you go. Oh man, there's a good idea. I like that. Uh, all right, so next poll that we have is asking the question, what's your workbench situation? There's an SNL skit with Jonah yes. Hill. Did you ever, you guys watch SNL? And it's yeah. from a couple of years ago where he brings these girls on, as and he's the game show host, and he's like, uh, it's called What's Your Situation? <laughs> <laughs> and he's just trying to hit on these chicks, and he's like, so what's your, uh, so... What's your situation? Uh, but anyway, it's about your workbench situation. Uh, you know, what kind of bench you have and is it a, a full-scale woodworking workbench? Or are you making do with sawhorses or like a portamate, things like that? Uh, so really good question. Interesting to see the results. And we'll have the links to uh, last week's poll and this week's poll in the show notes for you. Let's jump into kickback. Got one here from Stan. He says, I too have a full beard and no real dust collection in a cellar. Besides my shop vac, I stumbled across the Respo Raider uh, on in woodworking catalogs, and uh, isn't that what you were referring to, Matt? I do believe that. Yes, yeah, that was the one with the, the, Jacques, the Cousteau Jacques Cousteau kind of scuba looking gear thing. looking thing. Yeah, he says yeah. Uh, he bought it, and it works great for him, and he hopes that helps out Kyle. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll probably find a link for that. We'll put that in the show notes for anyone who is bearded and yeah. needs. to I can protect add some kickback to that one. Also, I had a chance to put on a mask. Now I feel really horrible that I can't remember the name of the manufacturer, but it was one that worked out perfect for my beard, and it had a little respirator on top, and it pulled it right across my face, mm -hmm. and it was really good. I couldn't smell Tom from a hole like you know across the hallway. <laughs> I couldn't even smell Tom. That should be like the tagline on the product labeling. <laughs> That's exactly. You it. won't even you won't even smell Tom. Uh, speaking of Tom, Tom Buell wrote in and he says, welcome back guys. In reference to uh, Wood Talk 195, Chris's query, Mark talked about movement not being much of an issue since moving to Phoenix. However, 
earlier in the show, he talked about the Krenov display stand project having two of his four legs go bad after cutting to size. So, Ooh, fun busted. Times. Well, I wrote Tom and I explained to him, I should have clarified, uh, you know, movement can happen for different reasons, right? And the one I was referring to about not, you know, sort of being immune to uh, here in Phoenix somewhat is moisture related movement from moisture gain or loss. Uh, that's usually not an issue. What I experienced was like built in tension in a thick board. And that is something that I don't care where you live. That's a problem. If it's going to be a problem, it will be a problem. Uh, and that's what happened with my legs. They just went all wonky on me. Stupid wood. <laughs> so, all right, let's move into our voicemails. we got one here from Joel. There's a question about bandsaw blade configurations. Hey guys, this is Joel from Denver, Colorado. Uh, I had a question for you on bandsaw blade types. I recently acquired a new-to-me 18-inch bandsaw that came with a few blades. Uh, There's some wider, fewer teeth blades and then some skinnier, uh, higher tooth count blades. And um, bandsaws are a bit new to me, but um, got a great deal on it. So I was wondering if you can give me a suggestion on which type of blade is uh, something that you can use on most projects, understanding that uh, it's probably dependent on the particular project that you're working on. Um, But then in combination with that, just uh, have noticed, Mark, that you've got the two bandsaws in your shop and wondering what your suggestion would be on uh, maybe now that I have the larger capacity saw, um, putting a a smaller, more detailed uh, saw on my wish list. So... Um, thanks for any suggestions. Love the show. Bye. Cool. All right. I'm definitely the exception here. Very few people have two bandsaws. It's a product of laziness, frankly, because uh, I was going to say, we need to get a third. You need to have <laughs> scroll work, kind of medium work, and then some big honk and resaw work. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, changing the blade on bandsaws is no fun. Uh, so I like the idea of having a smaller 14 inch saw outfitted with a small quarter inch blade, lots of teeth. So it's a nice smooth cut. I'm not doing any resawing there. So I could do like nice tight curves on the bigger bandsaw. It's all about resawing. I might do a very, very long wide curve uh, with a very large radius, but I am mostly doing straight cuts on that thing and resawing large boards into small boards. Uh, and that's where I have my bigger blade uh, with fewer teeth per inch because I'm trying to clear out as much of the, the chips as possible and make a very efficient cut. So it's a really aggressive blade. Um, and that works out well for me. Now, if I only had to choose one blade, I'd probably be somewhere in the, the range of maybe a half inch. Um, I mean, I might even be compelled to go to quarter inch because I need to make those tight curve cuts. You just can't make a curve cut that's any tighter than your blade will allow. And even at a half inch, you're sort of limited in how tight that curve can be. Um, so I might be tempted to go with a, a fairly aggressive quarter inch blade with only, you know, maybe three. Well, on the smaller ones, it's hard to say. But the, the you want a, something that's aggressive with fewer teeth per inch rather than more. And uh, that should still give you decent results even on a, a skinny blade. But I don't know that you're going to want to resaw eight quarter stock and, you know, make um, veneer off of that. So you, there is definitely a need to have those different blades. But with one saw, you're, you're going to have to go through the trouble of, of, you know, changing them out. So I do think it is a good thing to have at least two blades that you could swap back and forth. Um, what do you have on your bandsaw, Matt? Um, right now I have a I have the, the half inch uh resaw style blade so the the mm-hmm. wood slicer and that is a three to four tooth per inch. Yeah. But the only other blade that I have um is a, a quarter inch one and it's then be- that's the one I actually like to have on more frequently just because if I happen to 
have a need to do some sort of curved work. I have way more ability to get curves out of that quarter inch than I do with the half inch. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the half inch, when I know that there's guides out there and when, what's, what's the minimum radius you can get with it. And it's still a pretty, you can still get pretty good sized, you know, radius cuts out of it. But that quarter inch one for sure, for a lot of the general work, that's, that's my preferred one. And if you're going to know about you guys, but I had the same setup, Matt, and I like was just never, I was so lazy to change the blade. So I would, I would do all kinds of relief cuts to cut that tight curve with my half inch blade. You end up turning the the wood into like you know little ribbons as you come in twenty <laughs> yes. different times to make relief cuts. Yeah, I, I've done that plenty of times too. And then I will look at the, like oh, if I use the my off cut as a guide, and then I look at the guide and go, no, no, <laughs> off cuts. Yeah, and if you're doing things like bandsaw boxes, you know you're going to want that quarter inch blade because you got to make some oh, yeah. really tight turns, and uh, you don't want to be backing up and uh, you just totally screwed it up at that point. Well, that bandsaw DVD that we watched, what did he have on there? The the the, the kind oh. of. Guy- I remember what you're talking about. Like, yeah, well, do you have an eighth inch or was it a quarter inch? I it, can't remember now. It was definitely no bigger than a quarter inch. I don't know if it's as small as an eighth, but uh, yeah, he had something small and tiny because he's making like a box within a box within a box type of situation. You need a tiny blade for that stuff. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, it kind of depends, uh, Joel, uh, but I think we're, we could probably all be in agreement that in the ideal world, you'd have two saws, but minimally have two blades that go on two different sides of the scale. Um, but if you want to be lazy and only do one blade, you still have a decision to make. And there's no, I don't think there's one great answer for that. Uh, they both have advantages and disadvantages. I think I would split the difference and go with three eights. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> probably, go. that's probably a safe bet. I think the best idea is a third saw for meat and cheeses. Yes. There you go, yes. <laughs> yeah, because I'll tell you, when I saw some pork roll on my bandsaw, that was not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> not a good thing little little meat shrapnel all over the place yeah, it wreaks <laughs> havoc on the dust collection yeah it sure does it stinks too later um, alright let's move into our emails got one here from Sean he says could you talk about random orbit sanders and any tips tricks that you have for their use I find that uh, whenever I sand a project my nice flat surfaces get rounded over and the edges never end up crisp and clean also my edge grain uh, feel tends to round so if I pre-sand before assembly then I end up with gaps at the edges and it's really annoying. I'm not sure if it's my technique or my cheap craftsman sander thoughts. Uh, all right. So there, there could be things wrong with your sander, but I I don't really think this is a sander issue. I think it's a technique issue. Uh, Whenever you're working with a random orbit sander, they can be very difficult to control. And if you go near an edge, it kind of just wants to fall off the edge. So as a general rule of thumb, I would recommend never using it near an edge without at least 50% of the pad Mm -hmm. being on the work and then let the overhang be whatever it is. So what does that exclude? Edges, right? It's very difficult to balance that sander and get a good flat sanding on an edge. So 99% of the time, I may do it when I'm in a rush, uh, but I'm also very careful with it. And fortunately, Festool carries different pads. So I've got a very hard pad on on the sander, which makes it a little easier to maintain a crisp edge. Softer pads just want to round it over. So I will do that once in a while, but most of the time on an edge, I'm using either a smooth plane, excuse me, a scraper, uh, you know, or just a sanding block, you know, just a scrap piece of wood with some sandpaper on it. Those three things will allow me to maintain a nice crisp square edge. I just would recommend staying away from those edges with your random orbit sander. Um, and on the flats, you can sand the flats. Just again, keep 50% or at least 50% of your pad on the work. You go any further than that, you will round over that, uh, the, the corner and that's no good. Uh, let's see. 
yeah, so again, it could be the sander, uh, certainly better sanders. I mean, you might get a better, most of the time, the crappy sanders, what I find is that you're going to get more of the, the scratchiness in the surface. It's not as clean of a sanding, but right. rounding over edges, that to me just sounds like how the, the sander is being held and, and moved across the surface. Uh, so hopefully that helps, and we'll just kind of rip through these guys because we're a little going a little long on time here. Uh, it's okay. I heard from people at Woodworking in America that they prefer that we go longer. They would like us just to talk all week long if possible. <laughs> all right, let's do, <laughs> let's do it. Let me get some all right, dinner. let's jump into this next one. And this is from Travis, and Travis says I have access to a fair amount of six inch four quarter plain white oak, plain sawn white oak, and I'm considering building a 24 inch wide bench top. And was curious as to your thoughts on using, say, splines or biscuits to aid in gluing up all the laminations i can't see a disadvantage am i missing anything is this commonly done uh so first of all uh let's go ahead and go right into the uh, are you missing anything um i don't think so no not really it's it anytime that you can use some sort of aid to help you with what i consider to be kind of a complex uh glue up and in this case if you're building a building a 24 inch wide bench top and even if you break those into smaller segments so let's say like uh four six inch wide uh gluing pieces you know you do it four different times so six inches wide uh can i say that one more time four different times six <laughs> inches wide yeah go ahead uh anyways though and especially depending on how long they're going to be let's get serious no matter how many clamps you have it Oftentimes when you're working one end, another, because of the glue, because glue gets a little slippery, believe it or not. I know it sets up nice and hard, but it's kind of slippery when it's still in that liquid form. Things have a tendency to move. So if you're using, say, something like biscuits or splines or dowels as a guide to kind of help keep things in place, even while you're running along and putting those clamps on, in my book, that is a plus. Mm -hmm. Now, the disadvantage, as far as I'm concerned, is it's time consuming. In the same amount of time it would take you to create the holes uh, that are matching, obviously, so that you can put the biscuit in or the spline or the dowel, you probably could have uh, gotten all those glue ups completely done. So that's the biggest disadvantage, as far as I'm concerned, is the time uh, scale of going through and doing all those things. Otherwise, uh, really, I, th I think it's a, a fantastic way with a really large glue up uh, to kind of help keep things in place, help you keep your sanity and minimize the amount of work you're going to have to come in and touch up when it's all done. Cool. Oh, hey. And oh, so he, hey. he agrees also. Alex we're, likes we're, your answer. We're, we're getting agreement from the dog. Bravo, bravo. You know, when I was building this dining room table recently, shut up. <laughs> No, you shut up. <laughs> I I seriously contemplated like going like to Home Depot and buying a biscuit joiner or if I had unlimited money going and buying a domino just to make that glue up easier. For those long seven, eight foot long panels, uh, it just makes things idiot proof. So nice. exactly. That's why I use it all the time. Word. Nice. All right. This uh, last question comes from Eric, and this is actually one of those instances where when we get emails, I'll often read the question and kind of just skip right over who sent it, not realize who sent it. And Eric, I actually work with Eric at the Stepping Stone Museum. <laughs> so as I, as I saw him this weekend, he asked this question. I was like, you know, that's really funny. I got a very similar question like this in Woodtalk. He's like, I know, I sent it. <laughs> so after I removed my foot from mouth, I addressed the question with him, but I thought it was kind of interesting. He has made a, a small box and he did this um, marquetry on the top. It was uh, two cats on the top kind of snuggling together. 
And after he had finished it up, he picked it up and he saw that the there was a separation between the field, the outer part of the top, and the actual marquetry inlay. And he was wondering what happened because he had put this on – the substrate is MDF. So he's eliminated movement everywhere he can. The box itself is made out of plywood. So he's dealing with a very stable substrate and yet he's still got this gap that opened up over time. Uh, he did not use a double bevel marquetry technique. Oh, that's fun to say. Double bevel. Double bevel marquetry. Double bevel. He did not use double bevel. He used the straight 90-degree wall. So obviously there's much less uh, margin for error. If it starts, if it comes apart at all, you're seeing all the way down to the substrate, whereas that bevel, that's a nice little way to kind of hide that. But he was just wondering, how could I have stopped the wood from moving? Um, and the more I dug into it, he used commercial veneer. So it's like, you know, a gnat's wing thickness. Hmm. And um, uh, I just started talking more and more and he had just used a regular glue for this. And that's one of the things you, you find like specific veneering glue. You'll find a lot of people, guys like Patrick Edwards who do the traditional method where he doesn't use double bevel. He uses hide glue and hide glue does have some gap filling properties. It also doesn't shrink up as much as your typical PVA glue. And as best I can tell, he put together this marquetry with the 90-degree edges that met, uh, painted on the PVA glue onto a surface that doesn't move, and then the PVA glue shrunk, and it pulled his veneer apart because the veneer is so stupid thin, it's not exerting any movement. If it does move, it certainly doesn't have the force to pull anything apart. All that moisture suck into, sucked into that veneer, kind of swelled it up a little bit. So it started to shrink as it dried. The glue started to shrink as it dried, and it opened up gaps in between. So it was one of those things where, you know, you think it's tight-fitting, but you have to remember that glue shrinks, but water-based glue is also adding moisture and swelling things up a little bit. So if you're dealing with a really, really detailed marquetry or inlay, uh, that's why a lot of people use something like hide glue. Um, because everything will shrink up on you. And if that's not an option, consider using a double bevel technique because even if it shrinks, those pieces are overlapping so that the gaps won't open up later on. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I think that does it then. Uh, If you want to support the show, you can do so. Just go to woodtalkshow.com. Look in that left-hand column for the donation tabs and uh, anything you could do to help out. Keep the lights on to keep Matt in those stretchy pants. That is always appreciated. Uh, they're getting so uh, moth-eaten recently, so right? we need to get some new ones. Seriously. And uh, also, you could buy a Wood Talk t-shirt at TWWstore.com. And, and I saw a whole bunch of you walking around woodworking in America. I, I pointed out to the modern woodworkers, guys, look, we have more fans than you, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. Did, did you go out to them and say you are exactly 5.35% sexier now that you have that shirt on? I actually did go by and go, man, it is so true. Look how good you look. And then they just gave me that look like, oh, God. Look at you. <laughs> All right. And uh, you can also you can also leave us a review in the iTunes store, which we appreciate. Look us up and click on ratings and reviews. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating or an honest one, whichever works for you. I prefer the five-star. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If it's a lie, that's fine. We, we're okay with that. Um, and Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion? There's several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 and you can leave us any type of question. Oh, gosh, I shouldn't say it that way. Mm. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Not uh, you can leave us a woodworking-related question, preferably. Go. 
you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or download downloads from today's show or any of the previous episodes, and of course, if you want to get one of those t-shirts that's going to make you look oh so good oh, yeah. you're going to find those over at the woodtalkshow.com and you'll find all the links for all that good stuff there awesome sounds good well thanks for listening everybody and let us know if you get yourself one of those custom planes we want to hear about it absolutely yeah and pretty soon i think that's what wood talk's going to do we're going to do interchangeable episodes where you can just piece together different parts yeah well oh. you, could, you could take the shows where like i uh matt's not there and maybe sub one in with shannon uh, although yeah. I'm, I'm, for, I'm like the plain body. Unfortunately, I'm always there. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you can yeah, do. Well, can imagine they've got like three marks on there. That there would be go. pretty interesting. Hey-o. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.